Hello, everybody. I'm delighted to bring along Adam Daniel to this amazing business masterclass. Adam has been part of the FitPro team for a long, long time and genuinely is an inspiration to so many of our members, so many of our authors. So it only seemed right to bring him along to talk about all things business. We have a bit of a plan. Business is a massive thing for so many of you, whether you've got a studio, whether it's just you starting out in the industry. We know there's so many questions that you have. So we thought, actually it was Adam's idea, to do a four-part series. So I'm super excited. So rather than just landing once, you're going to be able to get gems after gems after gems. And so we're going to be delivering these every quarter of the year. So let's bang off January by welcoming Adam. Thank you so much for joining us. My absolute pleasure, Teresa. I'm really, really excited to be here and looking forward to yeah, sharing, I guess, my learnings over the last, what is it, 25 years now? It's a few years, Adam. It's a few. No, um, but very old when I say that. Well, I've been doing it for 30, so let's, let's move past <laughs> that. There's a few years between us. Adam, as I said, so many of our authors mention you in webcasts and stuff, and you have done webcasts for us. That was a really successful business one that generated a lot of questions and feedback from our community. And one of the things FitPro um, really prides itself in is supporting the community, and that's why we do initiatives like this. So massive thanks to you. The, the key thing we wanted to talk about today was kind of the fundamentals of business. So we're gonna cover defining your purpose, we're going to talk about building your business, getting and keeping those clients and becoming a client centered coach. And what I wanted to do was pick your brain examples, gems of wisdom to really support people. We know that people may have been in business for 10, 15 years, longer, or they might be right, right at the start. I can guarantee that everybody, wherever they're on in their journey, is going to get something from this. So let's go with that first one. So how can somebody define their purpose in this industry, particularly in light of what's going on at wow. this moment in time? It's a, it's a big, big question to start with, isn't it? So I guess it comes back to this idea of Simon Sinek, and he's very famous for his quote or his statement of start with the why. Why are you doing something? What is your meaning? What is your purpose? And we, we'll look at meaning and purpose in a little bit very shortly. Yet, I think that's the key thing is a lot of people come into the fitness industry, whether it was 10 years ago, 20 years ago, or if you're very, very new to it, you come into the industry because you probably enjoy training, you enjoy fitness in some shape or form. However, if you want to build a business out of it and one that is that has longevity and one that you feel proud of and that you're as a joy to work in and on, then you have to have a little bit more than just, I guess, excitement and passion, because passion can only take you so far. So with that it has to be this idea of why are you actually doing what you're doing? What is your true purpose or meaning? And I can guarantee you one thing I've learned over the years, and I've come across and worked with side by side and in various formats with PTs who have done it just to make money. And I can guarantee you now, they are no longer in the industry. Yet for those PTs that have come on board or people within the fitness industry have come on board because they want to help people, they want to guide people, they want to make a difference in some way, shape or form. So they've got a, a loose understanding of what their reason is, their why. They're the ones that build sustainable, long-term businesses that are thriving, even in the challenging times like we've recently had. So I think that's the first thing to understand is that 
just because you're passionate about fitness and training yourself doesn't necessarily mean you're going to have a great business. To have a great business is understanding what is it your business is trying to achieve. And to say to help people be fitter, I'm afraid, isn't good enough. You need to go deeper than that. And we probably won't go into the, the very depths of purpose and meaning at the moment. So I'm not going to be asking you what's your true calling in life and really why is it you're doing this. We're going to delve into the depths of that at the moment. You can maybe do that in your own time. Yet what I would suggest is to actually figure out, and I guess in simple terms, is what, what is your elevator pitch? That's going to be your purpose, your meaning, i.e. in 30 seconds, can you describe to someone what it is your business truly does? Who does it serve? Who does it help? How do you help them? What does it mean to you to help them? So identifying a group of people, some people might use the word niche, we can use that, but a group of people that you want to help and how do you support them and help them and guide them towards their goal? So that could be your purpose is to help middle-aged women lead fruitful, flourishing lives and have the energy to look after their children, for example. So you've got very much a niche there, but it's not just helping mums. It's you've decided to define is what you're trying to achieve by. So you're helping mums regain energy to, to have a life that is flourishing, that makes them happy and joyful. And that's the key thing. So it's about understanding the true why to your business. We're not going to, like I say, dig into the why of you personally, because that's a whole nother conversation. Yet, from my experience, especially to begin with, is people don't understand what their business is about. They just think it's there, they're there to train people, which is fine. Mm -hmm. However, it's not going to take you very far. So I guess the question you have to ask yourself is, who am I trying to help and why? That's the key, the first question you need to ask yourself. Yeah. Do you know what? When I started in the industry, I was one of those people that just loved fitness themselves, was just a fan of it. And and I did have a why at that stage, which was to sort of help people and connect with people and create community. But it took me many years of being in the industry. And, and let's be honest, that was quite quite a and um, sort of a the starts of the industry as well there wasn't much going on when it with regards mm. to business it was kind of hobby it was kind of passion projects and stuff like that and it took me a long time to take myself seriously enough believe it or not to warrant thinking I need to spend time now thinking about business you know rather and that was like branding myself it was this that and the other and, and and it does take time doesn't it and so when you're thinking about these questions you're talking about someone's why we need time to reflect don't we um and and finding one's purpose um is a massive thing do you think that changes over time in people's businesses or do you think that that sort of always remains the same I was actually going to say exactly that as before you even asked me the question. So, yeah, purpose changes. And that's OK, is that your purpose doesn't have to be set in stone. And, and that's one of, the, I think, the key things is people think, oh, this is my purpose. However, you evolve as a person. Your business will also evolve. And as you pointed out, Teresa, is the industry's evolved. I mean, I was like you. I came into the fitness industry. My purpose back then was I didn't want to work in an office. Ah. <laughs> that was my purpose. All my friends from school uh, went to university. They went to banking and finance. And I just knew whatever happened, I did not want to be working in the city. So 
my purpose was to avoid something back then. And fitness was all, for me, it was automatic because of my sporting background. So yes. my purpose has probably changed three, four times in the last 25 years. And that's fine. So you're not going to now your purpose. I still I'm not entirely sure I found my definitive purpose. I'm almost there, I think. And I'd say it's taken me 25 years and it's evolved continuously. So I think it's to be comfortable knowing that what your purpose is now might not be the same in five years time. And that's fine because you will learn lots. Your business will evolve and you you will evolve as a human being as well. And that's, yeah. I think sometimes we forget about that in business is that, as you pointed out, is a the fitness industry is very much a business. And as a personal trainer, it's still that that old saying or adage, if you like, is your your mum doesn't know what you do, your mates don't know what you do. No one truly knows, especially when we started, what a personal trainer did or, or what they what what they were about. My mates just thought I all I did was train all day. And and it's obviously we have much more than that. So with that though, your purpose will change because you yeah. don't know, especially if you're new to the industry, you won't know exactly where you're going to fit. You're finding your way. Yet, and we're going to come to this shortly about getting clients. If you have a purpose, even if it's not necessarily your what you feel to me your end purpose, even if you have that initial purpose of what you want to achieve or who you want to help, it's going to get you going, and you'll find it much easier because. When you understand your reasoning and your purpose behind what you're doing, whether you're 10 months into your career, whether you're 10 years into your career, when you understand your purpose, when you have challenging and tough times, then you can remind yourself why it is you do what you do. And if you remind yourself that I'm doing this because I want to help middle-aged men overcome belly fat and lead healthy, thriving lives, whatever it might be. If you remind yourself of what your purpose is and why you do what you do, it's going to help you overcome those tough times. So it will evolve, it will change, and you can use that purpose to help you to remind yourself of why it is you do what you do when things aren't quite going to plan. Right. So, again, just thinking back, harping back to when I started and what I do see in the industry is this idea that people want to be part of everything, Mm. you know, be doing everything. And I think sometimes honing in on what our purposes are, why is really helpful, because that at least can take you in a direction that might resonate better with you and ultimately resonate better with the people who are working with you. And I think that's really important. It's allowing that time, isn't it? And it may not be the trends it may not be what everyone else is doing you know it takes it takes time doesn't it you don't have to follow uh, the pack as it were so let's talk about building a business mm. how easy is that give us some ideas <laughs> well I, I guess we've used the word business yet we haven't defined what we mean by business for the purpose of this conversation so I'm going to make an assumption that most people watching this are probably self-employed in some capacity. You might be Group X, you might be a personal trainer, you work in fitness in some way, shape or form, yet you you probably don't have a bricks and mortar business, i.e. a gym or anything like that that you own or look after. So I'm going to make a few assumptions. However, even if you do, if you don't fit into those, I'm hoping this will still be useful. So I'm going to make that assumption. Most people are self-employed and you're kind of working in a gym or you're working 
in a studio type environment. So you're maybe paying rent or a fee of some kind, or maybe you are an employed practitioner within a business. So we're going to look at talk about building your business in terms of bringing clients or people into your business so that you have a business that thrives, that you wake up excited to go to every day. So it's not that you wake up and you want to, it's a struggle to get out of bed. You wake up genuinely excited about the day ahead because you've got a business that you feel proud of and that's building and growing. Mm. So does that work for a, this sort of a definition of how we're going to talk about business trees? Is that, are you happy with that? Today? Absolutely. Yeah, cool. let's go for that. So how easy is it? It's not as simple as that. <laughs> it's, it's very, very hard. And, and that's why, I mean, I won't mention names, yet you look at some of the large chain gyms that have been going for decades now in the UK and and some of those those organisations, they lose up to 50% of their PTs on an annual basis because they can't survive, because they can't pick up clients, they can't make it work for whatever reasons. We're not here to go into to why they can't make it work necessarily, yet it's just having that awareness that to build a business within health and fitness that is sustainable, that has longevity, and that can actually provide you with a an income that gives you the standard of living that you want, that you aspire to have, which is important, is, is a very hard thing to do and will take a bit of time. However, it is achievable. And I think from where you and I were to where we are now, Teresa, I think it's become... The word that comes to my head is easier. It's not the right word. It's become more accessible, I think, now with things like social media with websites etc i mean i certainly didn't have a website when i first started my personal training business like there's no something social media so to build a business back then was a lot harder so i think it's more accessible to build a business now if you have the right strategies in place and you know what your business is about because you can then obviously target the right people as well which brings you back to your purpose who is it you're trying to build a business for Obviously, you want to build it for you, yet ultimately you need to bring people into the business. So who are you building it for? What does it need to look like? What does it need to feel like? What's the experience like for that person? I think sometimes that's what people forget when they're building a fitness business is they build it based upon what they enjoy, what they like, how they train, etc. The environment that they're used to. Yet I can guarantee you, the person that you're probably servicing or the people that you're servicing are nothing like you. For most of you, there'll be some similarities. I can tell you now, very few of my clients are like me. So over the years. So if I built a business that would satisfy my needs, it would probably have failed. However, yeah. if I understand the people that I'm serving, I can build a business that will be more successful. Yeah, absolutely. And that's hard, isn't it, when you're starting out? Because it's there's so much information. Why are you saying it's a little bit more accessible? Social media, websites, all this sort of stuff. You can market yourself very, very easily. Um, I think there's a there's a lot of noise out there now. Whereas when we started, we were handing out leaflets and using a fax machines and photocopiers and all that sort of thing. You know, um, it's very different. So I feel there's quite a lot of noise out there, and people perhaps don't know where to position themselves and have to do it. And often I see that people in business are feeling that they have to do everything, be on every social media platform, do this, do that, working hours and hours and hours a day. And that's a really hard task. And I think at the same time, what I'm seeing or I see in the industry is a lot of people scared. You know, like you said, you want to wake up 
and to be, you know, excited to be part of your business. But actually, I know a lot of PTs are really nervous. They're like, how do I get the clients? Is this sustainable? Certainly, am I getting paid enough? Is this going to be sustainable for me for life whilst also exhausting themselves? You know, it's 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 actually really, really hard. So I think, yes, defining what our purpose is and sort of finding our sort of niche, as it were, is very, very important. Um, but hard with all that noise. Mm. Um, so how do you, what are the suggestions you'd make for people to get clients, but more importantly, to keep them? I heard you say, you know, you've got to be thinking about servicing them, meeting their needs rather than providing what you'd like. But what other things can you suggest? This isn't just for PTs, remember, this could be for Group X people, getting people to turn mm. up to their sessions day in day out so how do we get them and how do we keep them so before i answer that question sorry so i just want to touch on a couple of things you said first of all i love that word noise because there is so much noise out there and it does confuse us it does make us nervous at points yeah. and then something else you touched upon or your word you used was people are waking up exhausted and i think in, in building your business the first thing you have to focus on is you how can you be expected to guide, support, help others, lead others? Because in essence, you are leading others towards their goal. So in my eyes, a personal trainer and Group X instructor is a leader by definition. Now, uh, there's, there's many quotes there. And, and some of the, one of the quotes around leadership definitions is taking people to where they haven't been. And I think as a fitness industry, as an industry, sorry, we do that. We take people to where they haven't been. And that's what a great leader does. Nelson Mandela spoke about leadership being about when, when things are going well and people are being successful, i.e. they're moving towards their goals, the leader's behind, just giving them a round of applause and supporting and celebrating their success. And when the challenges come, that's when the leader steps forward, which, again, is what we do as, as fitness professionals is that we champion our clients, our, our um, members' successes when things are going well. And then when things are going, maybe things are tough, they're not moving towards their goals, they've got problems, challenges, we step forward. And with our experience and our expertise, we can help them overcome those barriers and those challenges. So I believe we are leaders by definition. So if you want to lead successfully, lead your business, lead your people, as it were, then you need to look after you. And that's something I believed in from day one and I have done. So I've always prioritized my health over everything. And probably when I when I was building my business, that would have been perceived as maybe selfish. And there's that whole idea of you have to work 16, 18 hours a day and there's little sleepers. I don't, I've never bought into that. And I these days I work with a lot of success, successful CEOs of large, large organizations. And it's about changing that mindset for people. It's like, no, you need to, if you're going to lead people, you need to look after you first. So I think the first thing you need to do to build your business successfully and to keep clients is to look after you. Sleep, nutrition, health, movement. I'm not saying you have to be a fitness model on the front page of a magazine. You have to, A, not just look healthy, you have to be healthy. Because also, think of it like this, if you're, not healthy and you're sick you're having to cancel clients or turning out with a cough you're not going to keep clients that way so i'll stop there now because I, I could spend hours talking about it. so ultimately though self-care self-worth is important look after you first then you'll be able to build that business so the question was 
how do you how do you get and keep those clients in essence? In real simple terms, whether it's Group X, whether it's personal training, it's show that you care. Right. And I think we forget about that sometimes. I think as an industry, we're very good at, at creating, designing programs, these perfect programs for people. That they need to hit these macros, these micros, do this, do that. And we forget about one thing. So we, we, we forget that we show that we truly care about what that person's going through, trying to empathize with them and understanding who they actually are and how they view the world. Which kind of links back to what we were saying at the start, this idea of purpose and understanding your purpose and understanding how you service your people, as it were. Because if you don't understand how they view the world, you won't be able to empathize and support them and offer your advice, expertise along the way. So I think the first thing you can do as a fitness professional is care. And it's the, the Mayor Angelou quote, isn't it? Is that uh, no one cares what you, sorry, no one cares what you say, no one cares what you did. It's only, they only care how you make them feel. Mm -hmm. I probably got that slightly wrong. It's in that essence. I know, I know it. It's, it's the feeling, isn't it? It's how do you make someone feel at the end of that session? Showing that you care. So I think that's one of the first things. And that keeps clients, doesn't it? If if they if they feel um, seen and cared for, that's the most important thing. You know, I, I you know that that's it's fundamental to making a difference in someone's life, isn't it? Um, and that's it. I think some people are really good at that just naturally. I think their life skills or life experiences enabled them to do that. And some people are not so much, but it doesn't mean that they can't. What it is, is it's a practice. It's if it's sort of showing up and trying each time it's a practice. You don't just, you know, you're using, you know, empathy. It's a practice. It's not you just it's not suddenly a, a thing that you have achieved and you become a master and you never have to do it. You have to show up for people, be able to do it, be present and all those things. And you can't do that if you're depleted. You just can't. And that's the thing, you know, I've, I've always been about and I always respected, you know, when we were working together in FitPro and you would be like, well, I don't work weekends. I don't like this. And I'd be like, whoa, this is amazing. This person really is, you know, role modeling the 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 looking after yourself that can only translate brilliantly to your clients you know that you're not 100 available you will be present for them when you're doing a session but that you're not gonna you know deplete yourself for the service of others and i you know i was always amazed by that and i've sort of slowly but surely um you know learning that skill because a lot of people coming into this industry do it because they want to help people. Um, and it's it's quite hard to be boundary and stuff like that. So is there, is there any other gems you have about keeping clients or any other experience, experience you can add to that yeah, for people listening? For sure. I mean, you've just reminded me, I would say, of a few things straight away with that example. And it's, it's interesting that for me, that was when I was building my businesses, that to me was kind of obvious, was setting boundaries. Yet... We often see with personal trainers, group X, is they take they say yes to everything. So I think one of the skills of growing your business is learning to say no gracefully. And I think that's really important. 
And it certainly served me well throughout the years going on businesses. So at the moment, uh, currently I do maybe eight hours of, of one-to-one coaching a week, purely because I just absolutely love it. And that's the only reason I don't need to be doing it. I do it because I truly enjoy it. And I've still got client, one of my clients, I've been training Richard now for, I think it's about 14 years. And he's followed me to three different facilities. Um, some of them a good sort of 45 minutes drive away from his home. So I still do because I love it. So what I'm getting to though is this idea of boundaries. Is when I first started my personal training business, it was in Notting Hill. I was 24-ish years old and I decided, and, and it was kind of, it was conscious, yet there was a reason behind it. And for me, this then helped me understand how to grow the business. And I was playing semi-pro pro rugby at the time. So I couldn't train certain nights of the week. And I couldn't work at weekends because I was playing rugby. And for me then, when I was taking a client on, and also I wanted to get home and I was Notting Hill with an hour's drive to and from work roughly. So I decided that I was going to work Monday to Friday, 7 till 7 a.m. to about 2, 3 p.m. And so I would say no to people. Can I train with you at three, four o'clock on a Friday? No. Oh, and then all of a sudden you, you start, to, I started to build this, this almost uh, this scarcity model. Yeah. People were like, wow, okay, you can't train me. He must be good. I was brand new to PT. All I was doing, though, I was setting my boundaries to look after my, my priorities for me. Because I knew that if I wanted to serve people, I needed to be in a good place. So yeah. all of a sudden, very quickly, I built a PT business that was Monday to Friday. I'd do six hours a day. I'd start at 7 a.m., finish at 3 p.m., three hours back to back, a half an hour to an hour's break, another three clients, and I was done. And I built that. And then when I started to then in the area, I started to build a reputation. I then started to bring PTs on and, and build a little PT business where I had PTs working for me because I was saying no. So from that, and there was never a goal, there was never a plan or an ambition to do that. It was purely by saying no allowed me to build a business because I set clear boundaries. And it also meant, so in terms of your business, for anyone watching, especially PTs, cancellations are one of the, the most frustrating things as a PT. I can say to you to this day, I've probably had no more in 25 years, probably I can probably count on my hands and my, on my feet how many cancellations I've had. Because wow. when you set those boundaries, people value your time. So when I was in Notting Hill, I had a friend of mine, PT, that I worked with. And he lived like a three minute walk away from the studio. So he was there. He, was, he, would do, he would do the same number of hours as me in a week. I would do the Monday to Friday, seven till three. He would do the Monday to Sunday, seven till seven. We did the same hours because people knew he was three minutes away. So if they cancelled, he knew, they knew he would walk down at three o'clock in the afternoon for them. I would say, no, if you can't train, I can't do it the time. So my cancellations were almost zero. And because of my diary these days, someone cancels with me. They don't get that session back. They lose it. No, Absolutely. Because something did transform. Oh, so sorry, Adam. I, I was just about to say something did transform for me when rather than saying to a client, when are you free? I would tell them when I was free. And yeah. suddenly they'd shift things around to make sure. And actually it would then suit me better. Um, and it often meant that the commitment that they put into it was way more significant. So rather than being over available, they were, okay, this, yeah, almost valuing your time 
more and stuff. Sorry, you were going to say something and I kind of interrupted you. No, it's great what you said there. And yeah, it's to echo that really is that I hear this time and time again, whether it's on social media, whether it's in gyms, when I'm working with PTs, is this idea, well, especially when they're starting out, it's, well, I'll do, I'll say yes to all these times and I can move them about when I get busy. So, well, you're not going to be able to move someone from 7 p.m. to 7 a.m. That's just not possible. So if you've got clients in the morning and the evening, where would you move those? It's not going to happen. So you need to set your boundaries out from the start. Same with Group X. If you take on multiple classes, well, you're not going to have to change the times of those classes. So decide what you want to do. So this is the way that I used to talk about it and still do, is think of it as your working day. So if you work in an office, you work 8 till 4, 9 till 5, 10 till 6, whatever it might be. Set your times that you want to work. If you want to, I, I enjoy working early. I like to finish early. That's where I like to do things. I know I've got friends of mine who's still PT who prefer starting late and finishing late. That's fine. No right or wrong. Do what works for you. Set your time zones. I want to start working at 10 a.m. every day. I want to finish at 6 p.m. Great. And I want to do five clients a day. So I have a bit of a break, train in that time as well. Fine. So think of it as a working day. Now, PTs, then I, I then get the pushback sometimes saying, well, I need to, to earn money and grow my business. I understand that. And I'm not saying that by having those boundaries, you'll grow your business quickly. It will take a little bit longer. I understand that. Yet, if you have the patience to take your time to set the boundaries and build the business, what you will have, to your point, Teresa, is a client base that is committed. Because you yeah. said, no, I can train you at these times. I can give you a regular Tuesday slot at 3 p.m. I can give you a regular Monday slot at 1, whatever it might be. All of yeah. a sudden, they realize this person is busy. Rightly or wrongly, people will identify busy as good. People, therefore, want to work with you. So it's a bit like pricing. The higher the price, people associate the more expensive, the better. Not always the case, as we will probably all know. So, yeah, so if, if you are showing that your time is limited, that gives a perception that you're good at what you do. Therefore, they will value their time with you far more greatly. Therefore, you'll have a business that will take a little bit longer to build. Yet, over time, you have a business that lasts longer. And I would suggest you'll probably have less turnover. Now, I also understand that sometimes the argument that you want to have new clients come into your business all the time. So again, it all depends what you want to have in your business. For me, I would rather work with people long-term and going back to purpose, people's goals change because you sometimes hear the argument that, well, a PT doesn't need to start training someone for 14 years like my client Richard, because if you've helped them achieve their goals then that's done, well, Richard's goals have changed. When he came to me, he was a marathon runner. He's now a triathlete. So he's gone from being a, a marathon runner who wanted to run sub three hours, which he achieved, to then saying, I want to take up a new sport, which was triathlon, which was first of all a sprint distance, then Olympic distance, then an Ironman. So over 14 years, he's gone from being a three and a half hour marathon runner to a sub three hour marathon runner, to a sprint triathlete, to an Olympic yeah. distance triathlete, to an Iron, to a half Ironman. So with that, over 14 years, he has changed dramatically. And therefore, yep. I've had to be I've been able to service his needs. Now, I believe, this is just my take, that that's how a, a training relationship should work. Is that as the client evolves their goals, hopefully you your you have the skill set and ability to evolve. If you don't, you refer on to a PT that can help you. Absolutely. Absolutely. Have you, um, Adam, ever turned anyone away from from <laughs> 
PT or have you sort of ended the relationships because you felt that it's not working? The reason I'm asking this is because I actually feel that people are so hungry for clients, they'll just take anything now or any situation. And if if it's not necessarily going to meet our purpose, should we be turning people away? Kind of curious what you think, because I my my view has definitely changed over the years, but that comes with experience. So what, what do you think? Well, there's two questions in there. There is, have I ever sacked anyone as a client or turned people down? And there's the question of if they, if that client isn't aligned with your purpose, should you take them into the business? So there's, there's two different questions. Yes. The answer to the first one is yes, I have sacked clients and turned people down. And in fact, one of my clients, who is, a, again, a very fast female marathon runner, she actually thought I was going to sack her the other, get rid of her as a client about a year, 18 months ago. So um, a lot of people I work with, so my, my why, if you like, I work with, I generally, my, my personal training performance-based clients are generally successful business people who are very good amateur athletes. So that yeah. I help manage their business life and their training life to fit in with their family life. That's kind of where I sit. So I have a lot of people, I've got a world champion squash player on my books. I've got two of them, in fact, two world champions, eight group world champion squash players. I've got lots of very successful amateur athletes who happen to be successful business people. And she, she's a very successful lawyer. And she had gone through a bit of a lull, a few injuries and a few other things, personal things going on. And at that time, a lot of my clients had, had a lot of success, want to become just world champion in her age group for a sport and so on and so forth. And I said, I need to turn about something. And she thought, she said to me, Adam, you're not going to get rid of me as a client, are you? I said, why? She said, well, because I'm not getting the success that all your other clients are getting. I was like, Jane, all you ever do is put 100% effort into your sessions. And as far as I'm concerned, as long as a client gives 100% effort, that's all I can ask. Forget about outcomes. So it hasn't really answered your question. I just found that a, a very curious. Interesting. Statement or, or perception of her. And she's a very intelligent lawyer, very analytical. And she thought I was going to get rid of her because she wasn't good enough. So, in answer to your wow. question, have I ever got rid of a client? Yes. When I was in Notting Hill, was the first person I got rid of. She was, and this comes back to purpose, but purpose from the client's perspective, their why. So, she was an Australian lady and had been a, a lawyer uh, for the UN, in fact, and had three children. And she had put on weight with her three children. And she came to me wanting to lose body fat, lose weight, which back then I, I kind of did a little bit. That wasn't really my thing, but I did take her on back at that time. So I was starting my business. And I didn't really think about things the way I do now. So I took her on and she was a really nice lady and we got on well. And we'd been training for maybe six to eight months. And she clearly, although she would come in three times a week, although I would say out oh, those three times a week, she was late twice of like two times a week and when I say late I'm talking 15 to 20 minutes late every time she would come in with baby sit down a t-shirt I remember she came in once with two left two odd shoes both left feet trainers brilliant and chaotic life and she was I, I have clients oh, I, saw, I saw your client at Julie's the other day which by the way is a very famous trendy wine bar in Notting Hill been a lot of films I saw your client Julie's the other day on, and she, and she was hammered at two o'clock in the afternoon on a Monday. And 
when I was having conversations with her about is she uh, has she stopped drinking like she said she goes yeah, yeah I, I haven't had a drink for two weeks and this that and the other and I've got clients telling me that they've seen her in this bar and whatnot and so I, I had to sit down I was very new to PT at this stage I was maybe a year 18 months in and I had to have that conversation I said why are you actually here you telling yeah. me you want to lose weight and what you're telling me isn't aligned with how you're behaving she said well my husband thought I needed to, needed to lose weight. So he said, do you feel you need to lose weight? She said, well, I probably do, yet I don't feel ready to. And I said, okay. I said, so do you feel there's any purpose or point to continuing training with me? If you're coming in here, you're late, you're not engaged, we have a good chat, but I'm not here to have a conversation with you. Do you feel that we should carry on this relationship, this training, this, this relationship. And she said, I don't really see the point, Adam. So I don't, I enjoy your company, but I don't enjoy what we do. I said, great. Yeah. And we're done. I said, I don't mind. I said, because you're clearly not bought into what you're trying to achieve. And yeah. at the end of the day, I'm here to help you move towards a goal. If that goal doesn't mean anything to you, if there's no emotional attachment to it, no driver, no intrinsic motivation, then, then there's no point. So nothing's going to change yeah. for either of us. I said, so here's the deal. I'm happy to stop here. Yeah. If at any point you want to continue our relationship, our journey, I'm here for you. Nice. She walked away. The other thing, she was three times a week, and we're talking 20 odd years ago. And I that was 55 pounds an hour 20 odd years ago. Mm. So you're you're looking there, that's 165 pounds a week. I was getting rid of. Because of my purpose, I'm there to help people move forward and achieve their goals. I'm yeah. there to guide them as long as they give me a hundred percent. My values are intrinsic to me with that regard. The other PTs on the gym floor are like, that's crazy. You're throwing away like six, seven hundred pounds a month. I'm like, yeah, you also bigger picture is as we've already mentioned, my clients were coming back and saying, Oh, I saw your client at this place, at that place, and da 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 da. So all of a sudden, I've got some clients doing really well. I've got other clients, one in particular, who's not doing very well. How does that reflect on my business? Yeah, interesting. Yeah. So if she's come in for a year or at the time, eight months, and no one's seen a change, let's just say there's one person that comes into that gym at the same time that I train this lady and they see she hasn't changed. Let's say that person had been thinking about PTing someone. Is she going to pick me? No. Because that person hasn't changed in any way, shape, or form. Yeah. Yeah. So I looked at it as A, it's reflecting on my business indirectly. B, I want people to give 100% effort because they want to, not because they have to. Yeah. And guess what happened? Six months later, I get a phone yeah. call. Adam, can I train with you, please? Ah. Oh. Like I want, that. I, want to, I, I realize my health isn't great and I realize I need to be healthier for my children. She came in, she stopped drinking, she put into practice everything we spoke about, and she dropped four stone over a year and a bit. Right. So it's it's that's that's significant, isn't it? Um the change in someone's readiness. The fact was she was doing it for somebody else. And if he, actually having that tough conversation 
And that's a tough conversation, your first odd year in PT. That's a tough conversation to dig deep into what someone's doing. That's, um, but actually I would feel uncomfortable someone coming along and pretending to do it and me charging them. I'd be like, I'd, I'd have that tough conversation. I might, you know, I might, for me, I might not be like, well, it's reflective of my business. I might be a little bit more like, you know, sweet and kind about it. But what I hear and I really respect and admire is actually what that did by effectively having that tough conversation and kind of ending it, it transformed probably, you know, it for her. Like she came back at the right time without question on an unconscious level, she would have had a lot more respect for you just based upon the fact that you had the tough conversation and then you had a real success. And so she did. She, so did she what what a good story I like that one so and, and the word and actually, what, there was readiness and that's the thing is yeah people have to be ready to change yeah. so you've got the trans theoretical model of change there's the six stages of change you won't go into that in, in detail now yet google it if you want to and when we understand at what point that person is on the the readiness scale levels of change if you like then we can have the appropriate conversation so for me, she wasn't even in contemplative mode. No. She wasn't even thinking I could do with losing a bit of weight or getting healthy or fit or whatever it might be. She was just in that completely no interest, denial. I am who I am. I've no interest in changing anything. So what was the point of her being there? Because nothing was going to change because she wasn't even contemplating change, let alone ready for change. Yes. So this I is where things like those having a model to to reflect on and look at and go okay where is my client in this which will help you understand and retain your clients because when you know where they they are in the in the levels of change then you can use the the right language to communicate with them yeah and what a difference those months later when she her why has changed which is she wanted her motivation was her health but i heard that she wanted to be fitter and probably more present for her kids Whereas if you're losing weight because someone else is saying that you should, that's not, you know, yeah. So readiness is a key thing, which leads me when we're talking about client-centered approaches, which is, you know, when we're goal setting and stuff like that. So how can how can people listening in or watching us become a, a better um, client-centered coach? So I think it's good to just kind of, define what I mean by client sense of coach and it links into a little bit I still I think the second part of that question about getting rid of someone was you sort of asked me I think was the should you say no to someone as well so if I just cover that off as well just quickly before I get to client yeah yeah it is because we, which links all back into it and it'll come and you'll see why it links to client centered in a moment is I think we have to be comfortable in saying no to someone if you don't feel that you can you're the right fit for them because it also comes about having that energy. So when I knew I had her in my diary, I'd have that feeling. Every other client I was excited to train with her, it was, you may have, you may have heard the, the phrase, the emotional vampire. She was that for me. And I had that three times a week, my emotional vampire. That was tough. So understanding the people you want to serve is important because then you have the ability to say no. And that was, I'm, I'm lucky that I learned and had that conversation with her very early on in my PT career because I said no far more frequently after that. 
because I knew that I didn't want that experience again. Yeah. I didn't want that experience of feeling drained after every single session with her three times a week, knowing that I was then seeing her on Wednesday and Friday. While she was a lovely person, it wasn't fulfilling my needs. So if you understand who you're you're wanting to serve, it means you have the energy for those people who enjoy serving their needs. So I believe that saying no to someone is a great way to grow your business. No, I'm not the right trainer. However, I would never say no to someone unless I have an alternative. So in terms of growing your business, and I'm a, a massive believer in this, is about having that ecosystem that network mm-hmm. i often get asked i'm very fortunate i get to do lots of amazing things and work with some amazing people and people say how do i do that and it's my network i've worked very hard over 20 odd year 25 years or 20 years of building a network of people that i trust so if i can't help someone but i don't believe that i can help them in the sense of maybe i don't fit their needs or they don't fit my skill set that i can say you know what i'm not the right person for you however I'm going to refer you to X because they're great at this. And I think that's also brilliant. And I remember a brilliant example of this. I was a member of a Virgin Gym in Bromley. We're talking 15 or so years ago. I trained there with my rugby friends and we're going there to our training. And, and this was at the time I was starting doing some present, uh, presenting for FitPro. And there was a PT in there. And she had a client of hers. She, did, she actually was a really good PT. She had refocused. She cared about her clients. And she was training her client, doing her things. And then one day I'd see her regularly and, and the PTs there sort of knew a bit about what I did. And they could see the way that I trained that I wasn't a sort of normal, in verticals PT without sounding sort of arrogant there. Uh, so, and she came up to me one day, she said, Adam, she said, I've got a favour to ask, please. I said, What's that? She said, well, my client's, I've taken my client as far as I can on her journey and she wants to learn Olympic lifting. She said, I, I know nothing about Olympic lifting and I see you train. And just for the record, I actually was very fortunate. I was doing my athletics. I learned to Olympic lift with the Olympic weightlifting coach at Crystal Palace. So I know how to Olympic lift. And she said, I've seen you lift. You clearly know what you're doing. Is there any chance you could take my client on as one of your clients? Now, unfortunately, I wasn't working in the areas as a PT, couldn't do it. I said no. Yet I thought that was amazingly brave and just so caring of that PT to say, you know what? I want to help you. I can't do what you want to do. I'm going to find someone that does and some, not just someone, someone who's good. And from that, my respect for her so went through the roof. So I would frequently in my area where I live at the time get asked if I could train people. I couldn't. So guess where I sent them? To her. Okay. Because she clearly cared about her clients. So as a business, it's about building your networks with people that you trust. So when you have to say no, then you can say no. However, I can send you here or here. Yeah. Okay. Love that. Talk to me a little bit more about client-centered approach. Client-centered How can approach. we? So yeah. This is client-centered versus coach-centered. And this is something actually Dr. John Berardi talks about. So a lot of, I think, does he does he have his education on the FitPro platform? Or has he or am I making that up? So I didn't hear Dr. the name. John Berardi? Said... No, no. Okay. 
I wasn't sure. So some of you will have come across precision nutrition. So Dr. John Berardi, he talks about client centered and coach centered. And when I was reading how he, he defined it, it really resonated with me. And I was very much a coach centered trainer when I first started training. So what do I mean by coach centered? Coach centered is it's all about me. It's all about the skills that I have. It's about impressing the person in front of me with my knowledge that I can show them how to deadlift perfectly, that I can create this amazing program for them. I can give them this perfect nutrition uh, program that I can. I've got this amazing skill set as the coach that's going to give to them. And if they follow that perfectly, they're going to hit all their goals. That's what I mean. Well, he, he talked about what I mean by coach centered. Client centered is where, you know what? I forget about everything I know. I just learn about the person in front of me. How did I mentioned this at the start? How do they view the world? And Stephen Covey in his books, uh, Seven Habits of Highly Effective People, seek first to understand, then be understood. And I think that's such a powerful phrase. And as any PT, any group X instructor, if you seek to understand the person in front of you first, then when you have some knowledge, some information, some advice to share, that person will listen to you, which links into the being empathetic. Understand their world. You don't have to agree. Really with, powerful. You don't have to agree with their world. However, you do have to understand it. Yeah. It's about perspective, isn't it? And lenses and, and you know how people view things. We need to be able to pick those lenses up and have a little look how they're doing it because how can we it's not one size fits all we know that the programming if you were coach centered that is not going to work the same for this client on top of that we've got a whole individual with their own stuff going on and their own world we we definitely need to have a look through those lenses don't we and and that will just the i don't know the the person will feel that recognition that's so powerful it's a me that then that makes that meaningful connection means people are going to be invested and and the way people talk about that to other people you know they it's that's what I truly believe makes a significant difference to a business because your client is going to talk to somebody about you rather than what you do it's why you do it right we know that whole the why and stuff and that that's a really important powerful thing those meaningful sort of connections. And it's not easy. It's not easy if you're exhausted. It's not easy if you're scared waking up. It's not easy if you don't feel, you know, this sort of imposter syndrome type thing where people don't think they know everything. Get to know your client. Then you will know literally everything that you need to know. It's really significant, Some isn't it? Some of the best trainers I know have come across and know the ones aren't necessarily the ones with the most knowledge. They're the ones that truly understand the person in front of them and again the phrase that sits with me and has done now for 12 13 14 years and, and a friend of fit Pros is, is bobby capuccio and when he said said to me it's not about training the human so it's not just about training the human body it's about also training the human being and and that's so true and i think as an industry we forget about that is that before anything else they are a human being that person standing in front of you is unique there is no one person who's the same as that person in front of you so whatever you think you know about that person you don't and that's the biggest thing i had to learn 
well not had to learn so I did learn I guess throughout my career quite early on is that yeah you just don't know who's standing in front of you you don't understand their world you don't know what's going on so you can't even think about the perfect program until you understand what's going on in their world what they're capable of what they want to do what they can't do what they enjoy what they don't enjoy the the emotional side of things the physical side of things the mental side of things what's going on in their life what's stopping from doing stuff emotional blockers all this stuff and before we and if we're going to truly help someone that's what we need to understand and i think yeah there was something else i was going to mention and i've now gone from my job sure come back. it's drifted somewhere else it was, it, was come when, back. it was when you were talking about things a moment ago you said whatever you're saying oh come back to me so this idea is that ultimately is yeah seek first to understand and then be understood and then you will have success and something again you touched upon is that this idea again is if you're not looking after yourself and you're always going to feel exhausted so it comes back to that as well so that would be my definition of a coach centered versus client centered so if you're client centered drop the ego it's as simple as that you might be able to on paper write the best program ever However, the reality is, and this is right for that person. An example of that would be me personally. When I retired from rugby, I took up cycling and I took on a cycling coach. And I never cycled before, like probably cycled, road cycling. And I took on a cycling coach and he wrote this program, or it was all online program via something called Training Peaks. He was a very successful cyclist himself, yet also a very highly regarded coach. And he'd write this program out for me. It's all scientifically driven, based upon functional threshold power and data. And so I've got my, my FTP number, which is like a one rep max, imagine. So based on that, then this is the session I'm going to do on Monday. This is the session I'm doing on Tuesday. And, and based on this number up here, then all these sessions are achievable. And then when I didn't hit my numbers, I'd get an email. Why, what happened? Why didn't you do it? You're, you're, you're based on the numbers and your data, everything, you should be fine. And what he would forget to factor in was that I maybe had been traveling that day with work and was tired. I might have just delivered a, a seven hour workshop and was mentally exhausted. And that was never factored into any of my training programs. So he would get frustrated when I wasn't hitting my target numbers in my sessions because he wasn't understanding the human being. He was just understanding the body. And on paper or in the, in the programming, my body should be able to have done, should have been able to do that, 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 and that. However, human being wasn't because you know what? Shit happens. Yes, absolutely. And then there's that disconnect, isn't there? And, and in a way, you, I, I don't know, the client must surely just be feeling like they're failing or there's something wrong with the programming. And that can just build a whole host of other things to, to, to work on. I think the thing is, what's really important, and it, again, it's a skill and something that we have to practice, you know, getting to know that client. We can be boundaried in doing that. That's not them becoming your best buddy and, you you know, you laying yourself out and, you know, you could, you've got to be a human first and foremost and recognise there's another human being there, not human body, but be boundaried. And it is a real art. It's, but I would, I would happily make a sweeping judgment and say that to be truly successful in the, in the PT or fitness world, you have to go that extra distance, not depleting yourself and giving yourself up with loads of availability, but really getting to know people. And those connections will make such, such a significant 
reward to yourself and, and build a business, which is, you know, what we're looking at. I think my last question I'd like to ask you, um, Adam, on the first part of the series is how much do you put down to successful business as somebody who really is a good businessman or luck? I know it's a controversial question to ask somebody who does what you do. Where's luck come into it? I guess is that the old saying is you make your own luck. Whilst I don't necessarily agree wholeheartedly with that, I I, I um, more towards that. I.e., is luck. You're always going to get a little bit of luck every now and then, right place, right time. And I've certainly had that in my careers. Some of the opportunities I've had, without a doubt. However. You'll also, I'd also argue that you wouldn't be in that position unless you had made good decisions earlier on in your career. So therefore, luck is kind of dismissed. So really, you're, you, you might feel you're lucky to be asked to do something or have that client, yet the reality is you wouldn't be there at that moment in time had you not made a series of good decisions along the way or bad decisions that you've maybe learned, yes. from, learned from and changed because again as we all know success is not like this it's a very lumpy route so i i would say that i think and without getting too that's what i'm looking for here too sort of not political but along those lines without going too deep i think the one thing we don't get taught enough of on in education within the health and fitness industry on the whole is around the business side of things so i think because the industry is rapidly growing and there's so much opportunity out there. And I think at this moment in time, it's an amazing industry to be in because there is so much opportunity. I mean, when you and I came into it, the PT, when I first started working, PT didn't really exist unless literally you're a Hollywood superstar. And and, and that was it. So now you could have so much opportunity out there. Yet the reality is because there is so much opportunity, you also have to be much more measured in your approach to running your business. So as I mentioned to you off air, I had lunch earlier with Matt Glead. Is I think some of you watching will probably have come across Matt Glead. It's a friend of mine. He happens to be in the area, calls up for some lunch. And we were kind of talking about this. We're talking about business. And, and this is the thing is that people look at the fitness industry and think it's just a real fun place to work in. And of course, it's a brilliant place to work in, if you love fitness, of course. It's a brilliant place to work in. Yet with that comes almost this sense of it's fitness. It's like a a separate entity. It's fitness. Yet the reality is you're only going to continue enjoying working in fitness if you're making money. And because the majority of people that come into the fitness world want to help other people as a sense of caring, what I come across often is a sense of guilt for charging what you're worth. Absolutely. So what I would say, going back to the question, is it, is it business or is it luck? It's about making the best decision at you can, as you can at that moment in time that's going to help you build a sustainable business that you love living and working in. Is how Boom. I sum that up. And I'm going to give you a final example of that which I think is an example that's going to cover pretty much everything we've just said. Okay. Okay. All four things, purpose, boundaries, saying no, building a business. So 
again, I, I spent about 10 years working in Notting Hill. So a lot of my, and I was repeating the majority of those out at that time there, like full time. So a lot of my stories do come from there. And right place at the right time, yes. However, it's a, ser- a series of decisions that led me to this place. When I got asked to be the personal trainer for the Spice Girls on their European tour. And I considered this. I mean, this was amazing. I was 26, seven years old. And I, I was training Stephen Gailey from Boyzone at the time and a few other sort of famous people, which was really nice and great. And maybe that's another conversation that day, because again, the whole training celebrities is not in general what it's cracked up to be. And I got approached to go on tour with Spice Girls. However, I said no. So you can imagine all my rugby friends in particular, the, the, the comments that they made is you're not, you said no to training the Spice Girls on tour for six months around Europe. So it's the Spice Girls and their dancers. And I actually, and I'm happy to share the money. I mean, back then, it was a lot of money anyway. So it was for six months would be £60,000 for six months' work, which we've got to think that's 15, 20 years ago is a lot of money. Yes. Well, However, I had to think about this. So A was aligned to what I truly wanted to do. And I'd had a, a bit of experience of working with rich, let's say famous people. And my, my experience hadn't been a brilliant one because not, I said earlier, ultimately I would do my work my hardest for anyone that's prepared to give 100% effort all the time. My, my experience that I had had was I didn't get that from that world all the time. It was yeah. that wasn't always there so that's one part of it the second thing was about these boundaries well that would mean moving away from my business that i'd worked hard to build being on call pretty much 24 7 on the road maybe my health my certain way my health wouldn't be the best would i be able to train would i be able to look after myself i didn't know exactly but that was that was a fact yet the reality was i had spent at this point three or four years building a business by saying no, by building boundaries that allowed me to finish work at three o'clock every day, work Monday to Friday, had at that time, I think, two two other personal trainers who I would give clients to, which I'd take a percentage of. So a little nice little business going on. And that had taken three or four years to build. So I would go away for six months. My clients, no matter how good I am, are not going to wait six months for me. So I would come back to zero. Yes, maybe there'd be a bit of income from the PTs that were that I would give clients to. Yes, I could have got another PT in to look after them. However, would those clients have come back to me? I don't know. I, I really don't know. So I had a decision to make. I go away for six months, probably have an amazing time, and and be the envy of all my male friends, well, most of my male friends, as it were. However, I had a decision to make is how is this going to help my business grow? And I decided it wouldn't help my business grow. I decided that I would come back to more than likely no business or very small. And the money that I had earned, I'd probably have to put into my bills, et cetera, et cetera, whilst I built the business back up. So ultimately, the way I, and I, I, realize I can be quite pragmatic, the way I looked at it was I'm actually going to get to go on holidays for six months. Because I'm not really the only money I earn is going to go straight back into I what I don't earn when I come back. 
So hopefully that's kind of, that story's kind of covered off everything. It's the, I had to look at, is this aligned to what I'm trying to achieve with my career? Not really. Learning to say no gracefully. So justifying the no. Thank you so much for this amazing opportunity. However, I just don't think it's the right thing for me. At the time, I didn't have the networks. I couldn't refer them to somebody else that I felt was right. So I didn't have that network at the time. So for me, it was that saying no. It was understanding why I do what I do. This is aligned to, to me and what I'm trying to build and create with my business. And about being, yeah, client-centered. I mean, that would have been, I would imagine, a very coach-centered process. Do this, do that. And that's not the way I was enjoying working because I'm working with someone for six months. They're on a very tight schedule. They're not going to be changing behaviors. They're just going to be doing what they're told. And I know there's a lot yeah. of assumptions there. So I made that choice at the end of it to say, thank you for asking me. Yet, yeah, no, it's not for me. You learn a lot, don't you, by doing that. It's your worth, you know, and 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 that's a really important part of business. Um, Adam, I want to thank you so much for sharing so much experience, wisdom, knowledge, all of those things. It's it's really important that you know um, we share as much as you know we have, and and you do that so much for the industry. What I do recognise, I think, one of the things about being successful in this industry is that giving back. And that's just a pure example of that. So I want to say thank you to that uh, for you uh, for that. Um, I'm excited because we're going to um, do some more of these in the series. The next one we're going to be actually looking at. So today was more about the fundamentals of a business. And the next two, it's certainly going to be about growing a business. And then the last one's going to be some additional things that people have asked. And we're going to very much tailor make it um, for what people are really in search of. So each quarter... We'll be chatting to you, um, which will be an utter pleasure from me and for the whole community. So I want to say to any of the people who are listening out, um, you know, if there's something that you want Adam to cover in these next sessions, reach out to us. We'd love to hear from you. Um, but also, Adam, how can people follow you, contact you? I know you've got exciting things going on this year. You're starting up a new podcast and stuff. So tell us, where can they follow you and, and, and find out more what you do? Before I do that, I'm just going to share with you a couple of books I mentioned, just to remind you of what yes. way you can get some more information and read about these things. So I mentioned Simon, Simon Sinek's Start With Why. Great book. Uh, that would really help you. I'd also recommend Stephen Covey's Seven Habits of Highly Successful People. That was possibly the first kind of, self-development book that I read and I still refer to as I did today I refer to it for myself it's a brilliant book I'd highly highly recommend that book for sure and if you want to dig a little bit deeper into purpose and meaning I didn't mention his book however I would recommend it is Viktor Frankl's Man's Search for Meaning and I'm going to kind of finish with a quote from that before I go into where you find me because Viktor Frankl if you're not aware of him have you read the book Treason? happen and i i have like a wish list on audible so it's there so his book, just haven't got around to doing he's it he's a survivor of auschwitz he was a psychiatrist and he was writing his his book if you like when he got taken into auschwitz and his purpose from from auschwitz was to survive so he could finish his book because he wanted to share his his thoughts and learnings with the world and that kept him alive through auschwitz it's a, it's a fascinating book amazing book and one of his more famous quotes from the book is, life is never made unbearable by circumstances, but only by lack of meaning and purpose. 
powerful. If you have meaning and purpose, you will wake up every day knowing what you need to do. Love that. Find me. So uh, check me out on the usual Instagram pages. So it's Adam Daniel MBA. Also on LinkedIn under Adam Daniel MBA. And they're the two main places you can find me. So please do fire any questions over. More than happy to help. And then finally, as Teresa mentioned, I am launching probably next month, i.e. February, early March, a podcast called The Business of PT, where I'm going to be interviewing what we consider, I certainly consider some exceptionally successful personal trainers around the globe and find out what they have done to take them to where they are. Amazing. I'm going to be tuning in for that, that's for sure. <laughs> That'd be nice to be on the other side of things. Adam, thank you so much um, for sharing what you do, uh, for being an important part of so many people's um, journey in this industry. It's really significant what you do, and I'm really grateful uh, for what you've done for me personally in the past. Uh, it's really significant. Uh, you basically started me out on FitPro, so I have a lot to thank you for because I love what I do each and every day. Um, get to speak to people like you. So I hope you have a lovely rest of your day. Uh, Adam's actually off to the dentist, everybody, so we have to finish the recording. <laughs> Uh, so we'll tune in again. Thank you, everybody, for um, listening in, uh, watching. And like I say, reach out to Adam if you have any questions and certainly give us feedback of what you'd like us to cover next time. Thanks so much, everybody. Bye-bye.